Welcome to the Get It! Finding Success with the Hybrid Cloud in Canada podcast brought to you by CDW. I'm your host, KJ Burke, Principal Technology Strategist for CDW focused on hybrid cloud. In this episode, I'm joined by Michael Traves, a Principal Field Solutions Architect at CDW Canada, and Parth Pandit, SE for Modern App Platforms BU at VMware. Today, we're going to discuss orchestration and automation between clouds. So Michael Traves, when we look at orchestration and automation between the public and the private clouds, you what are some of the things that, that we want our, our customers and our listeners to understand about that? A lot of our clients come to us and they're looking for a way to move to cloud. They're looking to transition how they deploy workloads in their environment. And, uh, you know, it's at a director level or a CXO level, someone's come down and said, thou shalt be cloud first. And then we get involved with trying to help them do that transition. And it's really trying to understand what workloads are running in the environment, what the dependencies are between various applications, um, what makes sense to move to cloud, and then how to actually structure those applications, whether it's as a virtual machine, whether it's a container to make it portable so that it's easily easily transitioned to a public cloud environment, um, but also really, you know, transitionable to multiple clouds. And if you're going to shift it to a public cloud, how do you shift it back? So there's a lot of work that goes into understanding how how that how to do that in a in a in an automated way, and in a way that is somewhat agnostic to the platform it's going to run on. So when we start having these conversations, you know, having a, a container or a virtual machine, something that's in a, in a format that is portable that allows us to bring up the workload in, in multiple environments is very powerful because it means that I can run it in different public cloud providers based on what makes the most sense. Is it the right cloud? Does it have advantages in one particular cloud vendor or another? Sometimes that's economic, sometimes that's features and capabilities. Um, or does it make sense to continue to run it on-prem but maybe burst it into the cloud? But I think you know the advice there is, is if we can start looking at the workload and start breaking it down into its components and making those portable such that they can run in multiple locations, that's the goal. And and when we talk about public versus private cloud, again, even on-prem, uh, the ability to build out a cloud-like environment that provides some of the same capabilities that you get in public cloud means that you've got some of those same capabilities and some of the same advantages. Um, when you run it on-prem. Absolutely, I, I like the the concept around portability and I do think that that is a, a critical aspect when we look at our go-forward strategy in IT. So Parth, as we're empowering our customers to move these VMs and these containers across their public and private cloud, you know, do they act differently? Or do the containers and the VMs uh, work differently across the, the public and private cloud? And how do you go about enabling that? I think automation today is really essential thing, be it infrastructure or container scheduling. We all agree to that. It's an age of infrastructure as code where entire environments are getting created on public and private clouds through re-executable scripts. Such automation is a key to success when you need to grow and scale. But it's a little difficult problem to solve on infrastructure automation, especially because of various different flavors of cloud and their APIs and nomenclature and things like that exist. We have tools like we realize and Terraform trying to solve this kind of problem, but we really need a kind of layer on top of all different clouds, which would provide you an uniform operational capabilities, uniform API on which you can put your automation. And that's where the things like VMware Cloud would come into picture, which would hide the 
complexity and differences of different public clouds. Now, let's talk about the containers on the other side. We all agree that we have a really great tool, Kubernetes, which would solve the container orchestration problem, no matter where your Kubernetes is deployed. As far as you have the same version of Kubernetes, you would be confident that your application would work, no matter where the cluster is deployed. But you need to be careful about one particular thing here, that whatever Kubernetes platform that you would choose, that should be in line with the upstream Kubernetes beads, which would be free from any vendor-specific flavors that would tie you with that particular flavor of Kubernetes, which would basically a kind of problem for you to explore the multi-cloud deployments of your applications. Yeah, I think you just touched on the second portion that I talked to customers about, which is manageability. So if we've got the portability and we create that and we've got a manageability and that stretches across those environments, uh, that makes it much easier for our customers to really manage and, and have better control across those environments. So Michael, where are you seeing customers focus on their, their cloud provider um, ecosystem? Are you finding customers are, are going into one cloud provider as a public cloud provider primarily and their, and their co-location data centers? Are you finding customers going across multiple public cloud providers? And is there a difference between what you see and, and maybe what, what you recommend to customers? I think some customers look at themselves and, and think they're multi-cloud, and that's an interesting conversation to have when maybe their production workloads are, are running in AWS, but they count email running in, in, in Office 365 as their second cloud, and, and it's not really the same thing. So, you know, understanding what multi-cloud actually means is, is a first step there. You know, once you've gotten past that, it's it's really like, does it make sense to do multi-cloud? It certainly makes sense to uh, put in that infrastructure layer um, that you know allows you to allows you to basically run your app in say you know any of the clouds, uh, leveraging tools like Terraform. You can uh, have it automate the the deployment of your infrastructure in each of those clouds and deploy your application. And if you code that all up front, it makes portability very very easy, and that's really important. But at the same time, do you want to run infrastructure in the cloud or do you want to run your application in the cloud? And uh, I think there's, a, there, there's an important distinction there. And, and I think you know, whether it's AWS, Google, uh, Azure, uh, any of these uh, public cloud vendors, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. It, it, it makes sense maybe to run certain types of, of applications or certain workloads in, in each of those clouds. Um, and you want to, um, I think, look at your own bench, the, the skills that you have in-house and realize that if you go to your team and say, hey, we're gonna put these applications over in Azure, but we also wanna put this other application in AWS and we're thinking about GCP for something else, can you realistically expect your staff to really be experts at three different clouds, let alone one? Um, you know, the size of an IT organization today with everyone kind of trying to do more with less, you know, unless you're a very large multinational organization with a substantial IT staff, trying to scale up in, in multiple clouds is, is very difficult. So, you know, I think people want to have portability between clouds, but I also believe that you should focus in and, and know one really well. And I also, fo also focus in and take advantage of what that cloud vendor actually offers you. 
um, because the more agnostic you make your implementation, um, you know, boiling it all down to commonalities between the clouds, the less you take advantage of what that cloud actually, cloud vendor actually provides from a from a distinctive level of service. So invest in something that that makes a lot of sense for your organization. Uh, learn that one provider really well. Take advantage of the uh, the availability zones and multiple multiple regionality to, to give you the what you need from a an SLA standpoint. But trying to do you know disaster recovery between two clouds, it's very very difficult to achieve that successfully uh, in a reliable way. It sounds a bit like a double-edged sword. You you have the complexity of multiple clouds, or you have the uh, you know going into one cloud really being able to get the most value out of that. And 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 if you really want to do that across multiple public cloud providers, then yeah, you have to have the people that have all of those skills and have that in-depth uh, knowledge. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely an interesting concept and and one that you know I think we have to keep in mind. So so Parth. With that in mind and, and understanding that, you know, the more clouds that you are spread across, the more complexity and the more demand there is on the people in your IT staff, how does VMware approach reducing that, that level of complexity? How, how do you help your customers manage across that, that additional complexity? So I'll add on top of what Michael has already said, that we at VMware take this multi-cloud as a kind of step-by-step process where different things that you meant to consider at various different levels. First thing that would be that how you build your application containers using the CI technologies, which is cloud agnostic, for example, using cloud native build packs or care pack is I think a way to go where it's not provided by a particular cloud vendor. Then it comes that what packing services would you use for your application? For example, like if you use RDS, and in that RDS, instead of using the Aurora RDB, which is an AWS-specific, I would rather use MySQL flavor in, in RDS, which, which would be an open-source flavor for, for a service, which is, again, the cloud agnostic. Then the next level of challenge would come when you need to manage multiple clusters, which are deployed across different environments, right? In that case also, if you rely on uh, management ability for a particular cloud, then you would not be able to manage the clusters deployed in your hybrid environment, your private cloud or any other public cloud. So a tool which gives you an ability to manage all different clusters across different environment is also a key to success. Then next thing would be like, how would you monitor everything together? A single tool that gives you the single point of visibility for all different applications and infrastructure may be deployed anywhere, right? And then finally, how we would integrate these different services, which might be now running on multiple different public clouds or even private cloud and public cloud model. In that case, the technologies and tools like Spring Cloud Gateway or Istio Service Mesh would come into picture. And I'm glad that we are working on solving this multi-cloud challenge at this Kubernetes and application level portfolio with Tanzu portfolio and products, which are there targeted for all these different concerns that I'm talking about. And you just hit on the third tenant that I talk to customers about, which is visibility. So we've got portability, we've got manageability, we've got visibility, we've got all the abilities. And and I think that's key. I think you you both have hit on the challenges where 
it's creating that environment where you can move those workloads. It's it's being able to have the the monitoring and the uptime and the SLAs across those different environments, and then having the visibility to see where are they at in real time. So when customers are building out this this modern data center across these different public and private clouds, and they're looking at these different workloads, you know, does it still make sense to segregate workloads by type to have a production and a test and a development? that are, are separate from each other? Or are you finding those environments are starting to, to blend together, Michael? I think in large part, um, we're seeing a shift to having the environments, as you said, blended together. Um, I think in a lot of cases, developers would look to public cloud first, just given the flexibility um, that it gives them to, to roll out new environments and to do testing. Um, I would always I encourage people to, you know, with with a public cloud type infrastructure, and obviously you can do this on prem as well if you have the right infrastructure. You can create an entire environment to do development and test in, and when you're done, blow it away. And then you've got those resources available to do additional uh, additional testing. And when you automate that and orchestrate that as part of a CI/CD workflow, uh, it works extremely well. And I think you know from that standpoint, yeah, I mean some customers will still do development in, in public cloud and, and, and they do production deployments on-prem because they have maybe corporate governance or, or uh, uh, compliance reasons to, to run workloads on-premise. Uh, but more and more we're seeing a shift to, to running those workloads in the cloud and automating that entire infrastructure. I'd also say that there's a, certainly a, a shift in the industry to move away from having dedicated test and QA environments. You know, the idea of, of uh, DevOps and um, allowing you to kind of make smaller smaller changes and merging those and, and, and being able to deploy those um, at a much faster pace means that the need to have a dedicated test environment with gates and people's uh, approvals to push to prod is going away relatively quickly, or at least that's the way the industry is moving. And I'd kind of agree with that. Um, let's get the code out there and let's you know instrument things properly with, with fast feedback such that when you do have a problem, you can very quickly understand where it is and actually uh, address it. Um, to the point where I would say, other than running, obviously, your, your unit tests and, and, and going through from a DevSecOps perspective, ensuring everything that's that you're going to push into prod, it makes sense to do so. But if you're confident and, and if it passes all the tests, why have a dedicated environment for it to sit there for a week or two, perhaps accumulating more and more bugs that you can't track? Push it to prod um, immediately. And, and that's what I'm seeing with continuous delivery uh, in the industry today. Yeah, I think that's a great point really around bringing those changes and bringing those tools and and making the environments you know as close together as possible that's that's a that's an interesting concept that I, I hadn't really explored a whole lot before this so so parth with with VMware and with the customers that you're having conversations with and and helping you know build the this mobility across the the hybrid cloud you know what are you seeing in, in really in production for customers with their production environments their development environments their test environments are you seeing the same thing where where really it's it's bringing those into the same space it's applying those uh you know those changes through CI/CD a little bit more aggressively than than previously how are you seeing our customers react so based on the patterns that we see at our customers places where what they're trying is trying to keep their environments in parity as much as possible so that you don't have surprises when the workload move from one environment to another environment. And the way to achieve is to create this kind of infrastructure from a code 
which is in line in terms of not only the deployment patterns, but also for the configuration of your hardware, your memory and everything, those kind of nuances, which would basically give your application to run on a similar kind of environment. We have seen that some customers would try to keep test and dev environments together where it would not make much difference, but they keep production environment in sync with performance environment to a great extent so that they get an apple to apple kind of comparison when they check that how the application would cater to different kind of performance that they they need to handle and for those kind of stuff we really need a kind of control plane which would allow you to create and delete and expand or scale clusters of kubernetes at will yeah, Parth, I, I like that point there. And and one of the things that's that's really interesting around that is, you know, more and more security providers are being able to bring the the security configurations earlier into the development process as well. And so it's I think I agree with you about the infrastructure as code and being able to codify that. Um, and it's also bringing security in and, and making sure that that's part of the that's been codified and, and brought into the the pipeline as well for development. And so I think that the being able to take the infrastructure and being able to to place those those production workloads those development workloads and testing workloads closer together having the same you know firewalls available whether it's a virtual or a physical and, and having the same uh, ability to to access you know uh, web application firewall services and and being able to do that in real time and and closer to the production application i think i think you're absolutely correct that that helps make things smoother to promote into production and help sort of streamline the process overall. So I think those are good points. So Michael, when we're talking to our customers and they're they're orchestrating, they're automating, they, they've got this portability and manageability and visibility across the cloud, there's other tools that are important for their day-to-day -day use like Git and, and incorporating that into their pipeline and, and leveraging more of a GitOps philosophy. When we look at, at Git, when we look at things like Spring, Harbor, you know, Wavefront in, in the VMware environment, how are customers still taking advantage of those when they're on-premises or they're operating in their private cloud, uh, not just out in the public cloud? GitOps is about continuous deployment. It's about using Git as your single source of truth for your infrastructure. It's shifting a lot of the control, I think, into the developer's hands such that when they you know, promote or, or merge and, and, and you're going to push something through a CI/CD pipeline. You're using Git as the as the source of truth, such that if something changes, it knows that it needs to deploy those updates into production or into your test environment. I think the you know I don't think anything really changes when you try to use GitOps or, or any of these technologies, uh, registries, etc. On-prem, it's just where you happen to implement the technology. Uh, in some cases, you might consume Harbor as a service. In some cases, you might deploy it on-prem. But the tools and the and, and the framework doesn't really change. Michael, one last question for today. When you look at orchestration and automation across the the hybrid IT hybrid cloud environment, what's what's exciting you about the space? You know, what what tools or what processes like 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 what kind of gets you excited about um, about this area of, of IT innovation? I mean, I, I know for myself, I've been digging into a lot of the technology, uh, you know, and as part of the shift towards DevOps and, and DevSecOps. I think uh, you know GitOps as, as a methodology and a framework is really advantageous for our clients and 
that is a an area that's fairly new. Um, there's there's a some organization that's gotten together. I think it was as of uh, November last year to try to set some standards in that space. Because when you can when you take that and you combine it combine it with DevOps, you combine it with Agile, um, it's got a lot of benefits going forward. So I think that's an interesting area to, to continue to, 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 to evaluate. I'm personally excited about things like K3S and doing Kubernetes at the edge and, and running workloads there and being able to orchestrate the orchestrate what happens there in combination with things like AI. And then I'm you know also, you know, as we orchestrate things and as we start running more and more workloads, understanding what's happening. So the monitoring side of things and, and particularly the the uh, the trend around observability and, and companies like Honeycomb. Um, to me that's really exciting and and we need to see more adoption in that space. That's a good point. And, and I think it's really important, especially when you talk about taking advantage of services at the edge to have that orchestration and automation in place. That's, uh, no, that's, a, that's definitely a good call out. Uh, so Parth, you know, working with, with at VMware and, and looking at all the different technologies that are coming out, you know, in this space, uh, orchestration and automation across the hybrid cloud, you know, what, what has you excited? What, what are you excited about over the next, uh, you know, six months, a year that, that VMware is doing and, and helping customers with? So all we have talked about so far is about Kubernetes and infrastructure and automation and all these things, in my opinion, are below value line. None of them would actually do the business, would give you the benefit, give you the profit. Those things will come from the apps that the developers will build on top of these things, on top of your multi-cloud, right? And in VMware, we are really excited that we are working on some of the really good tools and technologies which are focusing on developer productivity. How to quickly build applications, how to quickly deploy applications without knowing what Kubernetes is, without knowing what Docker file is. And that's what I'm really excited about, the future for app development, which is on multi-cloud platform, which is completely abstracted from infrastructure and Kubernetes kind of platforms. Uh, thank you for that, Parth, and thank you for joining me today, Michael. And to the listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, be sure to check back next week for another episode of the Get It Podcast. And for more information on the topics discussed today, as well as additional episodes in the podcast series, please visit cdw.ca slash hybrid cloud podcast. Thank you.